What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Prodigy is a production of iHeartRadio. Harvey Lillard was a janitor in the late 1800s. One day he moved the wrong way, which made an audible pop in his back, and he immediately lost the majority of his hearing. Sometime later, while cleaning the office of a magnetic healer named Daniel David Palmer, he bent over to empty the trash. Daniel David Palmer, who went by Dee Dee, noticed that Lillard had a vertebrae out of position, so he had Lillard lie face down on the floor and adjusted it back into place. The next day, Lillard made the now-famous quote, I can hear the rackets on the streets. Two years later, Didi Palmer opened the first school of chiropractic. It's been over a century since then, and this is the first sentence about it on Wikipedia. Chiropractic is a pseudoscientific alternative medicine that is concerned with the diagnosis and treatment of mechanical disorders of the musculoskeletal system, especially the spine. My name is Lowell Berlanti, and this is Prodigy. I've never been to a chiropractor. The only interaction I've had was 10 years ago, when one hired me to shoot a video for their website. I remember seeing multi-level marketing products in their waiting area and getting the general feeling that they were the medical equivalent of a snake oil salesman. Or salesperson, it was actually a woman. That's the mindset I had going into this episode, and actually the more I learned, the weirder it sounded. See, at the heart of chiropractic treatment is the subluxation. Chiropractors believe that disease and injury is caused by a misaligned vertebrae, which causes interference in the vital flow of the nervous system. Didi's son BJ wrote in 1909, quote, Chiropractors have found that in every disease that is supposed to be contagious, a cause in the spine... In the spinal column, we will find a subluxation that corresponds to every type of disease. If we had 100 cases of smallpox, I can prove to you where in one, you will find a subluxation and you will find the same conditions in the other 99. I adjust one and return his functions to normal. There is no contagious disease. There is no infection. There is a cause internal to man that makes of his body in a certain spot 
more or less a breeding ground for microbes. It is a place where they can multiply, propagate, and then because they become so many, they are classed as a cause. So this makes me very skeptical, but I'm open to the idea that maybe I just don't fully understand it yet. I do recognize the effect the mind has over the body, but why would a subluxation correspond to an infectious disease? And how would it cause hearing loss? The origins of chiropractic are rooted in holistic medicine. D.D. Palmer believed that people have a divine, innate energy, which allows for self-healing. Spinal subluxations cause interference, which interrupts the ability to heal oneself. Since then, chiropractors have split into two basic schools of thought. They're known as the straights and the mixers. The straights prescribe to Didi's philosophy and view subluxations as the sole cause and manipulations as the sole cure of all human disease. Mixers are more open to science and believe that subluxations are just one of the causes and combine treatments with that of other disciplines. While mixers are more mainstream and currently make up the majority of chiropractors, they do believe that subluxations contribute to most internal organ disorders. D.D. Palmer believed that mixers were polluting the sacred teachings. Since the time of D.D. Palmer, the field has seen a lot of growth. There's an estimated 70,000 registered chiropractors in the U.S., with 10,000 more in training. If the origin is so questionable, then why has there been so much growth? Chiropractors counter Wikipedia or anyone that is skeptical with the argument that they simply just don't understand. In fact, there has been research showing moderate results treating low back and neck pain from manipulations. But that's kind of where convincing evidence currently ends. If we come back to the divide between straights and mixers, it paints a picture of the disconnect. Mixers use manipulation of subluxations as a tool to treat low back and neck pain, while straights believe that subluxations are the cause of nearly every disease or disorder. But just because Didi's belief was questionable, doesn't necessarily mean he didn't stumble upon something scientifically valid. However, if you dig a little deeper, you'll find that Didi was trained in osteopathy before he founded chiropractic. Osteopathy is a branch of medical practice that emphasizes the treatment of medical disorders through the manipulation and massage of the bones, joints, and muscles. So Didi combined osteopathy with spiritualism and came up with chiropractic. In my personal opinion, mixers can provide value and are evidence-based while straights are observation-based, which means they gained validation of their treatment from what they've personally observed. They aren't deceiving patients. They've just had personal experiences which convince them that the treatment is valid. And it's very difficult to tell someone their personal experiences aren't valid. If someone sees an alien spacecraft, I could spend weeks explaining all the different possibilities for why they are mistaken, but I still probably won't convince them. This leads me to the question, how valid are personal experiences versus scientific evidence, or the lack of? I spoke to a straight while working on this episode, and while he was a really nice guy, the example he used to help me understand his view was questionable. He believes that COVID is infecting more people because the media reports about it a lot, which makes people believe it's going to harm them. This belief makes them more likely to get a serious case of it. He made this point using the example of Haiti. Haiti, with a population of 11 million, has had a little over 20,000 COVID cases, with just 555 deaths, even though they have a poorly funded healthcare system, a lack of vaccines, and a large disregard for masks and social distancing. They didn't even accept the first allotment of the AstraZeneca vaccines they could have received. Why has Haiti not had serious spikes like the rest of the world? 
Is it because they aren't concerned with it and therefore aren't as affected by it? Maybe. But if you dig a little deeper, you'll find that the population of Haiti is quite young compared to other countries. Younger people are at a lower risk for death. And since it's a poor country, many people can't afford to go to the doctor, and the record-keeping isn't very good. So many cases and deaths go unreported or misreported. And lastly, Haiti is seeing a spike with the new variant. So while this argument quickly breaks down when you analyze it, it was used to convince me by a straight. But all it really did was convince me that straights are influenced by unsupported beliefs while mixers incorporate evidence-based research. I wanted to understand how mixers approached treating patients. So I reached out to Dr. Jeff Langmaid. He helps chiropractors grow their clinics and is the very well-spoken host of a podcast called The Evidence-Based Chiropractor. So when somebody comes in with pain, there's really three primary causes that we look back to or evaluate as doctors and specifically as chiropractors. One is physical. What physical stress has somebody been under? You know, and habits that we do day in and day out form the majority of what I'm going to discuss here. If are we moving enough? You know, our bodies are designed to move. Are we sitting eight hours at a computer and then commuting an hour into work and spending all that time in a seated position as opposed to up and moving? That'll take its toll over time. Again, we can do that for days, weeks, or months, but as months become years, become decades, if we're not balancing that out with proactive exercise, then the lack of movement can catch up with us and certainly you know, accelerate degenerative changes, et cetera. Now, on the other side, you do have a slim percentage of people that overdo it, right? You Somebody that goes to the gym, they're just working out so much that they're in a chronic state of injury. But the bottom line is physical stress, how we use and move our body is one aspect of our health. Another aspect of our health that I think all physicians look at is the mental component. And specifically with chronic pain and spinal pain, low back, neck pain, the mental aspect of it is huge. Not only is it very debilitating and it can be depressing to struggle with low back pain or neck pain, but additionally, there's a fear of movement that's real. Very often people who have an acute low back injury or an acute neck injury there's a fear of movement when they're going to a chiropractor or if they're going to physical therapy, they're scared to move because they're scared of feeling that pain again. Now, the irony there is that movement is often the best medicine, no pun intended, to help somebody heal. However, it can be challenging and that's a real thing. So mental stress can play a huge role in our overall health and wellness and specifically in our ability to recover and recuperate as well. And the final component, the third component, we talked about physical, we talked about mental, is uh, chemical. Or if you wanna think about that as what you put into your body. You know, are you putting good fuel into your body or are you not putting good fuel into your body? A lot of that is dependent upon our state of inflammation so if you're eating you know, fried foods and the, these very unhealthy foods all day, every day, well, your body's going to be sensitized and it's going to be inflamed. And any little thing that goes on has the propensity to cause pain much easier than if you are deflamed or you're, you're, you're eating whole foods, you're eating organic foods, and we could go into diet and nutrition. However, you know, mental stress, chemical stress, and physical stress ultimately play a huge role in whether we are chronically ill or whether we are chronically well. And what we've seen and what I've seen in the literature is that over 60% of individuals specific in the United States have some chronic disease going on. And an overwhelming majority of those, you can tie back to lifestyle habits. So as a chiropractor, we see acute patients, which again, somebody who has an injury is very clear as to what happened 
and they're looking to recover from that. But the second component are these chronic injuries where something might sneak in over time, or I don't know, my back just started bugging me and I noticed it and I tried to think, not think about it. And now all of a sudden it's really caught up to me. And those chronic cases can be a little bit more difficult to uncover the true cause, but it can make a huge lifestyle impact when you're able to help somebody live a higher quality of life and get moving again. Many people are unaware of how healthy they can be, but it does take two to tango. It's not just the chiropractor or the doctor's responsibility. A lot of the responsibility falls also to the patient to live their life in a way that promotes health instead of discourages it. When you do think that the person um, is experiencing a lot of mental stress or anxiety, uh, what sort of things do you recommend? Yeah, mental stress or anxiety is a, is a huge component to spine pain and, and chronic pain in general. And while chiropractors are definitely not you know, psychologists or psychiatrists by any stretch, and th those you know, professions have their distinct role in it. When we're dealing with specifically spine pain, you know, the mental component of getting over the fear of movement is probably the number one aspect of what a chiropractor can help with. So how do you do that? You do that by starting slow. You do that by you know gaining confidence, and you do that by really guiding individuals to health. You know, it's not about loading up on how much weight can you lift when somebody's injured just to get them moving, but it's a matter of just going through. It might be starting with simple range of motion exercises and supporting and guiding and being there. That's really a, a, can make a huge difference in the ability for somebody to expedite or make their recovery quicker. Is just that overcoming that fear of movement and motion. And I think the best way to do that is to be encouraging, to be in tune, and also to prepare, set agreements and expectations. Anytime you're dealing with a patient, that's some of the most important thing. Anybody that's been injured and going into the doctor's office, it's intimidating. And I can speak for myself, like, I mean, going into just the dentist for myself, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. These people are new, what's going on? You know, that just adds stress to the whole situation. So I think whether you're a chiropractor or any provider, really setting a agreements and expectations, letting the patient know, hey, here's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to go through some simple range of motion exercises. I know that you're here because of your low back, and I know that you're probably a little scared to get moving because of the pain you've been experiencing. However, here's what we're going to do, and here's why we're going to do it. And if at any point in time you know, you're experiencing challenges, you're apprehensive, just let me know and we can modify in a way that makes you comfortable and also helps get the results that we both want. A lot of it comes down to agreements and expectations and letting people know not only what you want to do together, not what you're going to do to them, but what you're going to do together and why you are going to do it. You think majority of the time that's related to fear of movement? Because I'm, I'm assuming that's because they're feeling pain. In your opinion, I know you're not like a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but like that, you know, uh, anxiety not related to uh, fear of movement um, plays a factor in the pain that they're experiencing. Yeah, definitely. There's a huge link between depression and low back pain. I think that's been you know, really well established over the last you know 20 years plus is that you know low back pain and depression sort of sit and mix and mingle together. So as a chiropractor, I think anytime you see a patient that you think is you know really clinically depressed, it's important to ask those questions. And a lot of times we'll get that on our initial intake. When you're doing an intake with a new patient as a chiropractor, you're going to ask all of those questions. What other healthcare providers are they seeing? What medications? 
precautions are they taking? So you kind of get clued in to their overall state of health and wellness. And clearly, I think if there's an opportunity to make a referral to another healthcare provider that's going to be able to assist the patient, then that's definitely something obviously within our scope and definitely within the expectations of, you know, I think what all chiropractors would hope of each other and what the patients would, would hope of chiropractors. Um, but absolutely, depression from, and that could happen for, for a variety of reasons, right? Maybe there isn't even that acute injury and it's not necessarily the fear of movement, but it's, it, it could be totally unrelated to their spine pain. And you know, depression and spine pain absolutely live together and overcoming mental challenges for many, many people is a huge part of getting well from musculoskeletal or spinal issues. Even though they seem totally separate, they just seem to be intertwined. And a lot of it comes down to uh, quality of life. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an example when, when I say that. Uh, if you hurt your finger, for instance, you might be able to make accommodations and you know use your other hand for a task that you need to do or sort of work around it in a relatively easy fashion. Of course, there's exceptions. But when you hurt your low back, it's very, very difficult to do anything without feeling that pain. It's very difficult to get enough rest and recovery at night. Sleep becomes an issue. It's very difficult to do those hobbies and spending time with your family and getting up and moving. Quite often, it's exceptionally distracting from work-related activities, whether those activities are, are computer activities or whether they're physical activities. So, you know, spine pain just affects people's lives overall in such a, a multi-dimensional way that there just tends to be a very, very big link between spinal or neuromusculoskeletal issues and depression and mental challenges. How often do you treat things that, uh, I guess, do and don't show up on like an MRI or an X-ray scan? You know, that is a great question. Uh, I, you know, as a matter of things showing up on an X-ray or an MRI, I think sometimes the challenge is exactly the opposite. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm, I'm sure that uh, there's going to be a few listeners out there that you know have gone and got an X-ray or an MRI because you know something was bothering them, and you know, 27 pages of findings came back at them. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I, don't, I I had no idea this much was wrong with me. Um, and, and that, you know, that tends to be. This is really the art of a good chiropractor and a good doctor. And it's what I used to tell patients all the time. My job is to separate the not perfects from the problems. X-rays and MRIs identify every single thing that's quote unquote not perfect, but not perfect is far from a problem. The physician's job is to understand the case history, to understand why the patient's there and what they're dealing with, and to really identify which of these not perfects is the most likely problem or issue. And that is really the art and skill of a great doctor, a great chiropractor, any type of provider is really being able to do that. So it's very, I would say it's less frequent that you don't see something on an image. It's more frequent that you see a whole bunch of things that might be the normal process of aging, that might be, you know, just incidental findings, as we'd say, meaning, hey, 50, 60% of people are walking around with disc bulges and they're not necessarily feeling any pain at all. But if a patient comes back and, you know, they might have a problem at one level of their spine, but they see that there's six or seven disc bulges, they're freaking out saying, oh my gosh, do I have to get all of these things taken care of? And sometimes the answer is yes, but quite often the answer is no. And it's really, again, a matter of sifting through all of those not perfects and figuring out which of those is the actual problem or issue at hand. All right, let's take a quick break to manipulate our subluxations. Be right back. 
Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to Prodigy. I play computer games and I hit the shift key with my left pinky. Um, I guess this may be, I don't know, do you guys, if you guys treat like digit and like joint stuff and like art? Yeah. Okay. So it's a repetitive motion because I, you know, I do it all the time because it's like one, it's my push to talk button. So I would experience pain in that uh, and not like all the time, but if I like push on it or whatever, what would you suggest for something like that? So that's a good question. So I'll give you my, kind of my blanket caveat here, which is you know eh, very difficult to and, and imprudent to you know assess without a full case history and examination. However, repetitive stress injuries are common. So as you described, clicking a mouse, regardless of what finger it might be, clicking a key, repetitive stress is challenging on the body. Our body loves balance. So if it is if you're overdoing it with one motion and consequently you're not taking care of of it when you're not doing that motion, that tends to be some of the biggest challenges. So that could be a tendinopathy and sort of an inf or a tendinitis, an inflammation of the tendon could be a very likely cause for an injury like that. Now, in a general sense, what would be recommended for a repetitive or an overuse injury? A lot of times, inflammation sort of has crept up and into it, like a golfer's elbow. If you want, if you ever heard a tennis elbow or golfer's elbow, those are also like tendinitis type injuries where a tendons become inflamed because of repetitive use, right? So, how do you get over that? Well, rest and recovery is key. So in an extreme cases, you really got to take time off of the activity that's bumming it out. <laughs> uh, but most of the time, people can find relief by just taking care of and reducing the inflammation when they're not doing that motion. So that might be uh, you know, using ice on the area, going through some uh, range of motion exercises, and it also might be just taking breaks when you can. So instead of going at something for X amount of hours without taking a break, just trying to whenever you can every 15 or 20 minutes, taking a short break and using some ice, things like that. What is the sort of the origin of how chiropractic I guess you would call it chiropractic care. Okay. Uh, like, how did it get started? 
Yeah, so chiropractic started actually in 1895, so well over, I guess, oh, well over 120 years ago at this point in time. Uh, and it started in, of all places, in Iowa uh, by a gentleman named D.D. Palmer. And D.D. Palmer was actually a magnetic healer at the time who had a janitor, basically, in the building where he was either practicing or working, I'm not sure. Um, and this this is this story this story's a little weird. I'm gonna I, I, on a caveat this way. This story's a little bit weird. But the uh, the janitor was named Harvey Lillard, and he was having difficulty hearing. And I'm not sure exactly what led to what happened, but uh, D.D. Palmer thought that he felt a bone out of place in uh, Harvey Lillard's spine. And D.D., as he says, racked it into place, which we'd now call spinal manipulation or adjustment. And lo and behold, as the story goes, Harvey Lillard said, I can hear the footsteps of the horses on the street. And that was the first time he had an X amount of years. So, um, you know, that was really the origin. Now, things have have evolved, have changed, and have been refined over the last 120 years to a great degree. But that's ultimately where it started. And from that point forward, I guess the biggest tenets of chiropractic and where it started, even with that, as you can tell, was not necessarily a medication that was given, but it was really about using the body's you know, own systems to be able to heal itself. And I think at the root of it, while we've evolved quite a bit, the tenets of, hey, our bodies are self-healing and self-regulating by nature and by definition. That's how we maintain homeostasis. And, you know, it's only in extreme events that really do we need aggressive interventions. I still think that's the case. And if we look at medicine, even over the last hundred years, I think the pendulum has swung back to being more conservative, right? And more of the mind-body connection. And we've seen the popularity of that. And that's really been where chiropractic and what chiropractic has been rooted in since the beginning. And chiropractors over time became more and more focused in the spine because that's where the nervous system communicates and coordinates the rest of the body, right? We have our brain up top in our skull, and then our spinal cord runs back down through our vertebra or our spine. And then it, the nerve branches go out the left and right side into our all of our cells of our body, right? In our neck, those nerves go out and transmit down into our shoulders, arms, and hands. In our mid-back, around our chest, and in our low back, down into our uh, buttocks, legs, feet, and toes. So really understanding that many times challenges to the spine can affect other body systems and regions is one of the areas where, for instance, when somebody has leg pain and it's caused by a low back issue, sometimes chiropractic care, adjusting and taking care of the low back can make a huge difference. And the leg pain goes away, even though the chiropractor might never touch the leg. So a lot of musculoskeletal challenges can be, not all, but many can be traced back to spinal issues. And chiropractors focus on how can we address this in a natural and holistic way. Great. And um how would you say that um, chiropractors have changed up their approach over the last 50 years? Yeah, over the last 50 years has been sort of, a, a, I'd say, a pretty big shift in how chiropractors have adjusted their approach. So it starts with, you know, if we trace it all the way back, maybe just a touch before that to the 1920s you know, and 30s, you know, chiropractors were being jailed for practicing medicine without a license. Um, and, you know, which was just sort of ironic because many chiropractors weren't trying to disperse medicine. They were trying, you know, trying to provide healthcare to their communities in a natural way. Um, but by that point, the American Medical Association had gained a lot of steam and headway and, and sort of lobbying power. So all of that came to a head, oh, probably almost about 50 years ago now, um, where, you know, 
basically, uh, I'm going to oversimplify this, but basically there was the AMA, ver it's like called the Wilk case, and it was the AMA versus the chiropractic profession. And it sort of came out that the AMA had tried to extinguish the chiropractic profession amongst others where they wanted, you know, everybody to become medical doctors or kind of, you know, not, not practice at all. Um, and chiropractic, uh, chiropractors, I guess you could essentially say won that case. They won the right to be able to be a licensed independent, uh, you know, physician, right? So, you know, with that, I think also came a lot of changes. So over the last 20 to 30 years, the biggest areas of opportunity and biggest changes that I've seen within chiropractic, I would say are more in the sports performance realm. So, you know, while if you looked back 50 years, you know, chiropractors were not really integrated with any medical systems at all. Today, that's not the case at all. I've practiced at a few different multidisciplinary and orthopedic groups with medical doctors side by side. There are chiropractors now throughout the VA system, for instance, in the United States, taking care of um, you know our military personnel. There are chiropractors on nearly all major sports teams, collegiate, professional, and it's very, very common for chiropractors to be a part of an overall healthcare team. And 50 years ago, that just wasn't the case. We were really, really distinct and really isolated and on an island from a majority of other healthcare providers, where now I think everybody is more appreciative of the team approach and also more appreciative of the individual skill set that everybody can bring to the table. If somebody's been involved in a huge accident and they need immediate surgical intervention, hey, that's not a chiropractor's place and role. It's great to practice in a place where there might be a surgeon that can take care of that. But then the chiropractor and the physical therapist, for instance, can help that patient rehab afterward. So I think really identifying roles and a team approach is something that's dramatically changed over the last 40 to 50 years. The name of your podcast is The Evidence-Based Chiropractor. So it seems to me like, and this may just be like a negative stereotype that I had, but like you guys seem to be shifting more towards um, scientific evidence uh, research and then also incorporating some other things into it as well. Yeah, I would, ag I would agree with you. I think that and there's a couple of different ways to look at that, right? There's the his, there's the practical way and the historical way, and I think both are 100% true. Meaning, you know, I, my great grandfather was actually a chiropractor in the 1920s and 30s, and so um, up and up until the 40s. So when I look back at that, I'm like, man, the landscape was so different. There were not a ton of chiropractic journals. You certainly were not going to have a chiropractic study published in a medical journal at that point in time. So there was just sort of this isolation that led chiropractic to kind of do its own thing. But again, I think over the last 20 to 30 years, now we've seen so much published research in you know chiropractic-focused journals that are peer-reviewed, that are esteemed, that are published worldwide and referenced on PubMed. We've seen chiropractic-based studies published in Spine, in the Spine Journal, in the British Medical Journal, in you know the New England Journal of Medicine. In nearly every esteemed journal, we've seen chiropractic-focused papers come out. So I don't think that that was... I think it was the opportunity that finally presented itself that really sort of gave chiropractors the chance to showcase who we are and and what we do. Now, one thing I will say is that, you know, over time as well, chiropractic as a whole, and it ties back to your last question a little bit, but chiropractic as a whole has continued to 
you know, evolve. So early on, there were some of like the metaphysical within chiropractic, right? You know, there's, you know, there's, and and some of this that we found to be true and, and some of it is still up for discussion and, and some of it seems a little bit dated, um, but there was a metaphysical component to chiropractic early on. Now, incidentally, if we look back at surgery and bloodlet, like, you know, what was going on in other healthcare professions was not wildly different in many ways. However, I would say that while most other medical pr professions really have, I guess in some ways you'd say, let go of the past and built upon it, there are some chiropractors that still practice in what I would refer to as a very traditional sense. Now, and some of them are doing a great job helping take care of people, absolutely, but some of the nomenclature or the descriptions of how they do things might be a little bit either oversimplified or they might be a little bit dated. And sometimes when that nomenclature goes out to another healthcare provider, it can seem like, wow, what the heck is that chiropractor doing? So some of it's like a language transitional kind of thing. But overall, I would also say that much of this is the opportunity for chiropractors finally to be able to do to do research, have funded research, and be able to publish research on a, on a nationwide and worldwide level. Do you do pre-registration? Is it like similar to um, like a medical study? Yep. So there's all, yeah, I mean, chiropractic journals and studies, they could, they would be identical. So there are, you know, there are research reviews, there are randomized control trials, there's double blinded randomized clinical trials, there's protocols for trying, mean, the same hierarchy, case studies, you name it. Uh, it's all out there for sure. Great. And then I wanted to ask when you were talking about the like ones with like the more traditional ones, is that like the terminology like straight versus mixer that they, maybe that's an outdated term too, but. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So that is, it's a little bit of an outdated term at this point in time. I think about fifteen to twenty years ago is probably the height of when that was used. But here's what exactly what that means uh, in in a chiropractic sense. So a traditional straight chiropractor would mean adjustment only, meaning I, you know, straight and narrow. I do one thing. My job as a chiropractor is to adjust the spot. So a straight chiropractor usually has a exclusive scope not that they're not that their state has limited to the, them to this scope they have the option to do other things but they've chosen to do one thing and one thing only and that's adjust the spine now as i said at the top of the interview that's the hallmark of chiropractic care that's kind of our chiropractic power tool but those docs choose to do that and only that now a mixer in a tr in a traditional sense quote unquote is somebody who mixes in other modalities so that might be rehab that might be stretching that might be soft tissue work ice heat electrical stimulation ultrasound all of those things would be what why somebody would, in a chiropractic sense, would be a mixer. Now, at this point in time, those terms probably aren't used. I haven't heard them used as often nearly in the last five years as maybe I did in the first five years of my practice. So I think that they're more, at this point, historical than anything else. But if you hear anybody use those terms, that's really the definition. A chiropractic, a mixer chiropractor mixes in other things into their treatment beyond the adjustment itself, whereas a straight chiropractor is exclusively focused on spinal manipulation or a chiropractic adjustment. Okay, great. Yeah, my sister's a physical therapist and she, I guess they like work, their office is right next to a chiropractor and they like recommend each, uh, patients to each other. And she said, the way that you can tell if one's good or bad is, is whether or not they say that they can treat a cold. 
Yeah, it's, it's, that's an interesting point. So incidentally, my wife's a physical therapist as well. So okay. <laughs> I, I, I always say that gives me carte blanche to say whatever I want about physical therapists. But, um, physical therapists are great. I think, uh, and many times I've worked together with tons of physical therapists to practice out one of the orthopedic groups I worked in. I worked within a physical therapy location. So I think there's a couple of ways to break down what you said specifically. No, number one is, is a chiropractic adjustment going to directly treat and cure a, the common cold? That's a stretch, right? You know, like now uh, I, I will say, however, if somebody has a cold and they are you know, their nutrition stinks, right? You know, they're super stressed out. They're not moving very well because their body hurts and our bodies are meant to move. And the more sedentary we are, the more likely we are to get sick. Well, it, absolutely, in an indirect sense, a chiropractor, if you, they can help somebody feel better, move better, recommend nutritional supplements to kind of strengthen, you know, their ability to fend things off or get well, I think that's not necessarily a stretch to say a chiropractor can help somebody, but I think it would be a stretch to insinuate that there's a specific adjustment that could, you know, reverse a cold with just one crunch, right? So there's a little bit of gray to what you describe. I would agree that if a chiropractor was out there and their, you know, unique selling proposition in the field was that they take care of upper respiratory challenges, that might be a little bit suspect. But if a chiropractor that is focusing on neuromusculoskeletal system had a patient with a cold and said, hey, you know, getting moving, making sure that all the segments of your spine are moving correctly, and let's have a conversation about your nutrition, I don't think that's a stretch or a bad idea whatsoever. You failed the test. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break to do some evidence-based research. Be right back. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to Prodigy. My only experience with a chiropractor, I did like a video for one a long time ago, and I remember that she was doing manipulation on a baby and she was like holding it up by its back feet. Do you guys do that sort of thing or is that common or I'm just curious like what benefit it could have provided? 
Pediatric chiropractic is common. It's estimated that somewhere between two to ten percent of you know children will see a chiropractor at some point, you know, during their childhood or, or, or adolescence. And additionally, there are chiropractic certifications and diplomate programs that are specifically around pediatric care. So I would say that if you are a parent and uh, you are looking for a chiropractor for your child. Asking about you know certifications or diplomates is a good idea because there's some absolutely great programs out there that help chiropractors be super specific with their pediatric care. Now, in terms of kind of hanging babies upside down and things like that, um, I'm not a pediatric-focused chiropractor, so uh, I I don't want to misanswer the question. But you know, I have seen that you know you, you know a baby upside down and you're holding one leg and you're seeing how a baby moves. Now, in terms of exactly exactly how that plays in diagnostically or what they're looking for as somebody who's not a you know focused on being a pediatric chiropractor I cannot you know exactly say but one thing I would say in terms of can chiropractors provide benefit to a pediatric population absolutely I think that's you know un- unequivocal in terms of can they add benefit and some of that comes down to I'll give a couple of easy examples. Uh, as somebody gets older, you know, an older pediatric patient, meaning a teenager, sports. I mean, sports is just a huge area of opportunity. You know, again, injury recovery, you know, reducing likelihood of injury, sports performance, huge benefits and areas of opportunity there. If we bring that back a little bit earlier in childhood, we see just like crazy, and hopefully this is changing now with like iPads and stuff like that, but you know, like backpacks that weigh like 80 pounds and the kid weighs 60 pounds, right? And it's like, these are just challenges waiting to happen, right? You know, it's like one strap of a back. <laughs> Backpack. You know, it's like postural deviations and postural imbalances. The, you know, when you see that early on in life, it it greatly increases the likelihood that it's going to progress later on in life. So being able to really identify, okay, what stretches, what exercises can this patient do, this 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 kid do, this child do, to help kind of like balance out, you know what I mean? Or and and or like guide the parents. Hey, here's how you could load this backpack. Here's you know something you might look at. Here's something you might ask. Is definitely true. And if we even go earlier than that. I mean, heck, we all learn to walk by falling a bazillion times, right? So there's, you know, there's like, I say trauma, I don't mean like you need to have surgery trauma, but I mean, there's trauma as we get up and moving, as we're crawling, as we're walking. And those sort of things, you know, they can cause aches and pains to people of all ages. So, you know, those are always, I think, important things. And then if I if I go back to the earliest component to answer your question very, very directly, you know, there are patients that come out, uh, patients, you know, children that come out with like torticollis and things like that. And while physical therapy can be extremely beneficial, my wife is actually a pediatric physical therapist to be super specific. Um, so things like torticollis, and that can affect a baby's ability to latch on and breastfeed as a small child. And you know, being able to ensure that child has good range of motion in the cervical spine is very important. There's a little bit of crossover there, right? I think historically that's been the realm of uh, physical pediatric physical therapists. I think they do a fantastic job with those types of things, but there's plenty of fantastic chiropractors out there that can do very similar things and help with latching and that that sort of thing early on. Do you have any sort of um, broad advice for maybe somebody who's interested in chiropractic care or takeaways that you want people to have about it or anything like that? 
Yeah, if you're thinking about seeing a chiropractor, I would say the best thing you can do is ask for a referral and ask a friend. Um, you know, at, when we talk, to, I talk to chiropractors all the time and speak around the world and things like that. And we always say, man, the best patients we get are those that are referred in, right? Because they come in like ready, they know a little bit about the practice, they're confident, they're comfortable. And I think that's always, I think it, the same works the other way. So if you're a patient looking for a chiropractor, I would say the same thing. Ask around, ask friends, ask family, ask colleagues or coworkers and find out, hey, have you had a great experience somewhere? You know, who have you seen? And that goes a long way, you know, or for a healthcare professional, for a service-oriented healthcare professional, I think getting a referral from a friend or family member is absolutely the best way to go. Now, if you want to go one step beyond that, a couple other ways that I'd recommend learning about chiropractors that are great in your area would be, you know, you can look online. So, you know, look online, check out their website, check out their Google reviews, check out their Facebook page and see if they're putting out content that resonates with you. See if their vibe is what you're looking for, right? So, you know, I wouldn't just go on one of those things alone, just Google reviews, for instance, and then look nowhere else or just look at their website, but take five for 10 minutes. Check out their website, give it give it a quick gander. Check out their Google reviews and make sure that other people, you know, believe that they got great care and great uh, service and a great patient experience. And then check out their Facebook feed and make sure that they're consistently putting out great content and things that resonate with you. I think if you checked out those three things, you'd have a really great idea of kind of what that chiropractor is about because as we discussed earlier, different chiropractors kind of practice in different ways and you might not be looking for a sports chiropractor or you might be looking for a sports chiropractor you know, there's a variety of different, um, you know, focuses of practice. So checking those things, three things out would be a great way. And the final component would be, you could always ask another healthcare professional. So I just want to give a little bit of a caution with this because, uh, while I said, and it's true that chiropractors work now in an integrated way more than ever before, there still is a, a significant portion of the medical field that has not worked intimately with chiropractors. So if you ask a medical professional and they sort of he and haw over it, I would caution you against, uh, thinking that uh, chiropractic is not right for you. There's many guidelines out there that should showcase for low back, for neck pain, and for headaches, you know, non-pharmacological care, movement-based care, the care that chiropractors deliver is the recommended first-line treatment. However, there still are a lot of uh, prof uh, healthcare providers that don't make those referrals against the guidelines. Sometimes it's not due to malice. It's just that they just don't know. It's just that they don't know a chiropractor. It's might that they may have had a bad experience before. So it's quite often, again, not out of malice or spite, but it's out of ignorance or lack of information. However, if you don't have a referral from a friend, if you're struggling to get internet connection or really find somebody, then I think asking your other healthcare providers if they've ever worked with a chiropractor and if, if so, who is a great way to find somebody who would be a good fit for you. Yeah, because I mean, you've thoroughly convinced me, but you know, Wikipedia is not kind to chiropractic. <laughs> Wikipedia is not kind to many professions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia is definitely, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because there's a, there, you know, there's a thing, I think Wikipedia opens up with a like, chiropractic is a pseudoscience, like, you know, which is absolutely crazy because chiropractic has representation at the World Health Organization. I've worked in hospital settings and, you know, the, I mean, heck, the, Ameri you know, the United States military and VA system has hired chiropractors to provide care. So if it were that wild, and crazy, I can assure you. Um, and insurance covers it. 
Absolutely. Insurance and insurance has covered it for decades, uh, you know, decades at this point in time. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know who the editors are of the Wikipedia articles, but it's funny you just mention it because that's been a bone of contention. A lot of chiropractic groups online, like, man, I changed this. And like, by the time I had saved, practically, it was like re-edited back. So um, they're just, you know, again, there is. I would say I would agree with you. The Wikipedia articles are unkind to to say the least. But hey, there's all types of healthcare professionals and providers out there. There's fantastic medical doctors, and there are ones that you wouldn't want to send your worst enemy to. And to be super clear, those chiropractors are the same way. There are plenty of awesome chiropractors out there, um, and there are plenty. There are some chiropractors that you would not want to send your worst enemy to. Like all fields and professions that have tens of thousands of providers, there's all makes and models. <laughs> and that's why asking for referrals and doing your due diligence ultimately will always get you the best results. Thanks for listening to Prodigy. You can find Dr. Langmaid online at jefflangmaid.com or theevidencebasedchiropractor.com. If you're a chiropractor or want to learn more about it, check out his podcast, The Evidence-Based Chiropractor. Prodigy was created and produced by me, Lowell Berlanti. The executive producer is Tyler Klang. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.